0: The scripture reading today comes from Proverbs, chapter 17, verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Chapter 18, verse 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This is the word of the Lord. Man, anytime you can weave in an old gospel song with uh, Toy Story, that's that's good stuff. My favorite lines, Woody, my back end's going to Baton Rouge. Do you remember that one? (laughs) We're in worship. Okay. Uh, I'd encourage you to refer, by the way, to an insert. I usually don't have these inserts, but really I I wound up realizing I was going to refer to a lot of scripture, both inside and outside of Proverbs, and I thought this would be helpful for us, and I hope that it's not only a a service to you during this message, but you might want to hang on to this. I think there are some very important basic truths here. You know, I'll be real honest, I struggled with, am I going to preach about friendship? I thought that that just seems so shallow in some ways, but the more you look at Proverbs, it's really a vital subject matter. Uh, Before I go into it, I talked about my parents briefly last week, and just to mention one thing, because it really shows how friendships are important. My father um, was already in very frail health by the time I was really in, in junior high, high school. He had had a lot of bypass surgeries and the like; was very thin, um, and he was much older than my mom. Some of you all know this story that that she was a student of his at the seminary, and uh, he was a widower and had not married for many years. And then this a beautiful lady comes into the classroom, and as she always said, I didn't get the best grade, but I got more out of that class than anybody, so there you go. Uh, but, and I don't, I don't know how else to put this, as a family, we always uh, supposed that, uh, uh, that my father would die long before my, my mother, and we just kind of prepared ourselves for that, because he had so many health issues over the years, but then very suddenly, my uh, mom got uh, cancer at age 59, and she died a year later. And to be honest, my father, who was already close to 80 at that point, we were convinced that he would not uh, live more than a year. We just figured, well, he, he wants to join her. He's been dependent upon her. It's just going to be such a transition, such a shift uh, that, you know, it's probably going to be about a year. But to his credit, he decided one day when he was kind of in the throes of grief. I'm going to call some friends and have them come over on Thursday before lunch, and we're just going to talk about things. This was kind of pre-small group movement, and he said, we're just going to talk about Scripture or theology or ethical issues or just what's going on with each other, issues going on in the world today, and we're just going to see who shows up. Well, he had just a handful of people show up the first Thursday, and then they went to lunch together. Well, it, it built to a group of, it would always be between 15 and 30 people and they, they named it Barnett's Buddies. And, uh, and my father wound up living 13 more years. He died when he was 93. And, and, and any of us who knew him well would tell you it was because of that group of friends that he kept going. And, um, and, and now he's in an even better place. But, I mean, I, I've, I've always been proud of him being able to kind of retread and, and realize just how important his friends were. In fact, parenthetically, Barnett's Buddies still meets on Thursdays to this day. Um, kind of cool. Friends are important. Uh, there was a study at BYU in 2010 that tells us nothing we don't know. They surveyed 309,000 people, and they found that people with a strong network of friends have a 50% increase in likelihood of survival over a seven-and-a-half-year period, and that not only are these people health uh, healthier, but they're happier. Well, that's nothing we don't know. We know how important friendships are. In the creation account, what was the first thing That God said was not good. Remember, He said, It is not good that what? Man should be what? Alone. We are called to companionship. We're wired for it, to have friends. And again, let me go back. Why study friendship in Proverbs? Because I thought, oh, that's just so commonsensical. But a few reasons, really, the more I studied it, Proverbs talks a lot about friendship. That justifies it alone. And what it says about friendship is, is vital for living the way God expects us to live in community. And finally, to be real honest, a lot of it is very basic, but we fail at it so often. And I think that's partly why it's there in Proverbs, because we need to be reminded constantly how we need to live. And, and Proverbs offers us a lot of important words about friendship. And it doesn't just say, hey, friendships are important. It gives some very practical advice that we need to learn about friends and doing friendship. So you might want to follow along uh, with the Scripture passages on your insert there, and I hope that that's helpful. First of all, friends are well chosen. It's interesting how often Proverbs encourages us to choose our friends wisely, those who become significant trusted friends. Look at Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Be cautious in friendship. Those who really become the influencers in your life. I'm not saying, you know, don't uh, set solid boundaries where you, you, you don't ever reach out to non-believers or people who are of questionable influence. What I'm saying is those with whom you're going to invest the most time, the most trust, you, you do need to set boundaries there and be protective of that. Any of you who are, are a parent, you know what that's like, too, to be concerned for your kids and who the kids hang out with, um, Someone has said you are whom you associate with, and obviously you want to hang out ultimately and, and with the most time with people who are very principled and who are believers. And, and I'm not saying uh, don't befriend non-believers, but again, spend the most time if you can and place the most trust in those who are believers who, who are trying to keep you pulled up instead of keeping you pulled down. You know, God wants you to have other friends if the ones you have are not the greatest influence, Proverbs 14, 7 says very bluntly, Stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. And not only that, they can pull you down. Ben Franklin put it kind of in a crass fashion, but he said, if you lie down with dogs, you're going to rise up with fleas. Well, that's pretty well put. But how often have I heard, in all seriousness, as, as a pastor, there are certain situations that, let's say, a young person gets into, and I'll hear a parent say, well, she really is a good kid. She just got in with the, what do they, what do they say? Wrong crowd, right? I mean, that's very important, practical stuff to think about. You know, commenting on those who were denying the resurrection and who were living in sin, Paul put it this way, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts, uh, corrupts good character. Let me say that again. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Another way of putting it is bad company begets bad behavior. You don't want to get too close to the world. I remember hearing, I think it was evangelist Vance Havner, he put it this way in an old school way, he said, if you play in the mud with white gloves, the gloves will get muddy, but the uh, mud never gets glovey. I thought that was pretty good. Again, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. It can harm you if you're not careful about whom you choose to invest your time with as far as your closest friends. Now, let's look at Jesus. Does Jesus kind of follow this model? He was somewhat careful in his selection of his closest friends, his closest compadres. Mark 3.14 you find interesting there. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Now, if you look at that, he, he selects them for two reasons. One is that he realized that one day they would become effective preachers of the gospel. And indeed, they did if you look at Acts and beyond. But secondly, it says so he could be with them. I think that means he just knew he could hang out with them and entrust himself to them. Now, did they sometimes let him down? Sure, that's what friends do sometimes, but in the long run, they came through for him. And you obviously want friends who come through for you. Think about that in your mind. Who is someone who was really there at a point when you needed somebody? That's the kind of friend you want to choose. That's the kind of friend you want to be. You want to choose those friends carefully. Secondly, friends are faithful. You know, what does it mean to be a friend? I think I just have the phrase there, Proverbs 3, 3, and 4, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Let me read the entirety of those two verses. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Bind love and faithfulness around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now, we know the word love. We could talk about that a lot. The word for faithfulness there is that wonderful Hebrew word chesed, and it's, it really refers to what I call covenant love, it's, it's demonstrable love. It's not love that's based on affection. It's not friendship that's based on affection. It's just really choosing to act in a certain way through your commitment to your friends. And what are some ways that you act that out? Well, first of all, there are, uh, people are faithful with keeping confidences. People who are true friends are faithful with keeping confidences. Look at Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person Keeps a secret. I always tell my ministry classes how important confidentiality is. There are some of us in here who are trained because of our particular profession, whether law enforcement or or uh, being a lawyer, uh, being being a minister. So many other fields in which you go where confidentiality is so expected on a professional level, but it needs to be expected on a personal level as well. When you are sharing your innermost thoughts or hurts or hopes, or whatever it might be. You hope you have a true friend who's going to take that information and hold it close, and and if it needs to be shared, it can be shared, but if you don't want them to share it, they will hold it close, and you can trust them with that information. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight says, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. So we could talk a lot about Gossip, but again, that has the power to fragment a friendship so quickly, but not only that, it can have a ripple effect with the wider community of friends, and so we've got to be very, very careful with that. Proverbs twenty nineteen says, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. That is, someone who shares too much information about people, particularly behind their back, and, and you know how often that can quickly degenerate into rumors, And I've always appreciated what, if you do an etymological study, I know it's a $5 word, you're studying the the background of that word, do you know what the word rumor literally means? It's a Latin word that means noise. And I like that, because a lot of times, most of the time, that's what a rumor simply is. And you've got to be careful with that. We do this in the South a lot. You know, for some, (laughs) a secret is something that you only share with one person at a time. Does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about. Now, don't tell anybody else. I've only told 35 people, but don't tell anybody else. We've got to be careful with that. Again, that's a true mark of friendship where you can keep that to yourself and hold that close. Because when you do that, you're really holding that friend close as well. True friends are also faithful in adversity. Dottie had some good things to say about that. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know, somebody who's there for you through thick and then, I love Proverbs eighteen twenty four. It's one of my favorites. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I mean, that's really talking about, you know, are you just playing at this friendship thing, or are you taking it seriously? Do you really mean it? Are you willing to be the brother or sister to someone who is a friend that, that you really can be? Are you willing to be that person who that person can call at, at three in the morning, And they're in crisis or they're struggling or they're very vulnerable about something. And and are you willing to be that kind of friend? Do you have friends who are that quality of friend whom you know you could call no matter what? There is that level of trust and loyalty. There was a British publication that offered a prize for the best definition of a friend. And the winning definition was this, and it's very simple but it's profound. A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. You know, still someone who will stand by you no matter what, even when you feel like you're the only one in the world and nobody else cares. You might have seen the movie recently about Jackie Robinson, and I was reminded of that moment that was immortalized in a statue where uh, Pee Wee Reese, his friend, uh, Jackie had been uh, playing in a game the, the, uh, the day before, and you, you remember, he was the one who broke the color barrier in baseball, and he went from stadium to stadium and just endured all these racial epithets, all these slurs, again and again and again. And he had a particularly bad game where people were just really giving it to him from the stands. And Pee Wee Reese made it a point at the next practice the next day where, where there was a crowd there watching, and some other people were still, you know, hurling the, these 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 horrible you know words his uh, Jackie's way. Pee Wee Reese moved from the shortstop uh, position over to where Jackie was and threw his arm around him and just showed the public, this is where I stand on this, and they said there was just a hush among the crowd. And if you look at Jackie Robinson's memoir, Jackie Robinson said, it was that arm around my neck that saved my major league career because I knew that there was someone who would stand with me. Are you willing to be that kind of friend for others as well, and do you have friends who are willing to do that for you? Friends are also faithful in forgiveness. Proverbs 17, 9 says, whoever would foster love covers an offense, that is, forgives the person, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You ever had somebody kind of offend you, slight you in some way, and instead of just forgiving them, you go and tell everybody else about it? You know, what is the quality, what's the level of friendship if that's the way it's working? Forgiveness fosters friendships. You know, focusing on a slight on a way somebody's offended you or let you down. It's not good for the friendship. Don't dwell on the unkindness. Think about all the other ways that that friend has been there for you through the years, which reminded me of an Arabian parable I read a number of years ago. And this may sound a little weird, and it was kind of weird to me, but it just stuck with me. And I thought it really applied to friendship. You, You had these two friends who were walking through the desert, and they had an argument, and one friend slapped the other in the face. And the one who got slapped was hurt, but without saying anything, he started to write in the sand. And he wrote, today, my best friend slapped me in the face. And then they kept going. They kept walking until they found an oasis, and they decided to take a bath there where they found water. Well, the one who had been slapped got stuck in the mire and began to drown. And the friend who had slapped him wound up rescuing him, saving his life. And after this friend recovered... From the near drowning, he wrote on a stone, Today my best friend saved my life. And the friend who had slapped him and then saved his life asked him, After I hurt you, you wrote in the sand, and now you write on a stone. Why do you do that? And the other friend replied, When someone hurts us, we should write it down in the sand where the winds of forgiveness can erase it away. But when someone does something good for us, we must engrave it in stone where no wind can ever erase it. You get the truth there. Friends will let you down, but just write that in the sand, and then let it be erased. Cover their offenses, or as Paul says, don't keep a record of wrongs. Cherish your friends. Focus on and covet the good that they do for you. That's that's what it takes, and that's what the proverb is telling us. Finally, friends are sanctifying. That's a fancy word that means, what, to be set apart. Uh, It's where you get the word saint as well. It's really how we Try to be a set-apart people as an example to the world, as a witness for Christ. That's what it's talking about. And I've always liked Proverbs 27, 6, which says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Who was it who kissed Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Judas. Uh, That was a kiss of betrayal, obviously. And really what this proverb is saying, you know, people can flatter you to your face, but then they can turn out backstabbing you. Or they can turn out they're just trying to get something from you. A true friend w- can wound you. They can wound you with the truth, but sometimes you need to hear it. I like the way Oscar Wilde put it. He said, A true friend stabs you in the front. It's a good, good way of putting it. Uh, Proverbs 25 16, if you, if you read that, and it's interesting, it says, <laughs> What it says is, don't eat too much honey or you'll vomit. I mean, that's my paraphrase. Now, that's a figurative way of saying, though, what it's talking about there is flattery once again, that flattery is not good for you. People speak sweetly to you way too much. You don't need that. It's not healthy for you. You need friends who will speak the truth to you in love, and they will tell it to you with grace. Do you hear me on that? (laughs) Sometimes, even with friends, you have to be, I won't say professional, but very tactful and, and refined in the way that you confront them, be truthful with them. You don't need to be so, so blunt. Uh, you need to you know, still use your social filter with even your best of friends, and you need to tell them things with grace. Deal with them with grace, which is why I have down there Proverbs twenty two, eleven. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Be gracious in your speech. Use tact, And that really is showing an unconditional love for the other person. You're creating more space for them to actually hear what you have to say because you're doing this in such a loving way. So, so important. Which leads to how it can really improve you. That wonderful passage, Proverbs 27, 17, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Friends help you become more sanctified. You know, don't just look for friends with whom you can knock back. You know, look for friends who make you want to become a better person. You know, I just got back from Cape Town, and I've got my Cape Town full beard. <laughs> and, and, but let me say, and, and it was just a typical thing, and so many of you, how many of you all have been on a mission trip, and you really didn't know this person very well, you heard some nice things about them, but then you just saw them rise to the occasion and do some amazing stuff. I mean, I saw that in Cape Town with people. I knew that some of these people had these particular gifts, but they just ramped them up all the more. Or I saw some things in people I had never seen. And when you see something like that in a missional or ministry context, it's so cool because what does it do? It makes you want to become a better minister yourself. And, 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 and likewise, it makes you want to become more like Jesus. I mean, it really can make you a better minister. It doesn't have to be a mission trip. It can be just some kind gesture that someone in the church did for someone else, and you hear about it. You're touched by that, and you realize, I need to be more like that person is at that moment. I hope even as the deacons meet with these two and more gatherings where they gather together every month uh, different groups each time, and they just uh, share life together. They share prayer concerns. They talk about what's going on in their life. I love that model of You know, church members getting out there and sharing life together and hopefully wanting to be more like Jesus based on these meetings that they're having. What's the difference between all these wise sayings and general sayings about friendship? Well, first of all, they come from God's Word, so they are divinely inspired, and that's important. But I think most importantly, we need to review truths like this that you find in Proverbs and in all of Scripture because so often we fail at them, (laughs) You can say, well, this isn't really a deep subject. Well, you know what? The consequences of not following these is even deeper. And I think we've got to keep that in mind. And thank God we have one friend who will not fail us, as Dottie said, the one who indeed died for us on the cross. Let me read Proverbs eighteen twenty four one more time as I close. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer Than a brother. Let me change one thing about that. I'm not going to say unreliable, I'm going to say reliable. One who has reliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. (laughs) You make that one little change and it really points to Jesus Himself because you know what? In this brief, fragile life we live, it's going to eventually come to ruin. I mean, eventually your physical body is going to come to ruin and you're going to pass on. You're going to die. And thanks be to God, hopefully you have that one brother. whose love transcends even this life and is the bridge to the next, and whose love never separates you from the love of God. He sticks closer than a brother, and obviously that is Jesus himself. Let's pray together. We thank you, Jesus, that you are that kind of friend to us, that you gave your life for us, that you offered us newness of life, that you offer us eternity But we do ask that our community here really would be a reflection of the community to come. Help us not to pray that your kingdom would come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us not to take that lightly. Help us to realize we need to help that type of kingdom come here now. And that begins with friendships, one-on-one, small groups. We ask that you teach us to be the community you call us to be. Help us to be trustworthy. Help us to follow these basic truths, and we ask your forgiveness when so often we fail at them. We disappoint you. We let others down, and even worse, we let you down. Help us to be all the more the friends that you call us to be, and may we embody the love and the faithfulness, the hesed of Jesus, who is our greatest of friends. Be with us now, O God, as we commit ourselves all the more. And may we celebrate what it means to be loved by you and to love you. As we sing this wonderful hymn, O God, may we reflect our love for you as our friend. We pray these things in your name. Amen.